Mindfulness Mode 225. I'm a firm believer that silence speaks to you, but only if you're quiet enough to hear it. Welcome to the Mindfulness Mode podcast. Great to have you here. I'm your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. A sincere thank you once again for joining us, whether it's your first time or you've been here hundreds of times before. Great to have you here. Do you want to start to meditate and you've never really made the move? You've never really just made that decision to do it? Well, be inspired. Feel a sense of pure calm. Get your free Fine-Tune Your Focus 5-Day Meditation Challenge right now. Just hit pause if you can. Download it right here at mindfulnessmode.com slash focus. I'm doing five different guided meditations. There's video if you want it or you can just listen. And it gives you something to focus on. It gives you something to to think about while you meditate and I help you along the way. So it's mindfulnessmode.com forward slash focus. Well, this show is growing because of you, because of your amazing number of listens and your terrific reviews on iTunes, just like this one. I'm going to read it right now. Hyatt Yogev from the United States wrote this peaceful, unique and relaxing show. The first thing I felt on the first few shows I listened to is that no matter what mood I was in before I entered the show, I immediately lowered my nerves and energy level. In that new mood, I really enjoyed listening to the inspiring guests. So, you know, leaving a review on iTunes helps to build the show so that I can keep on creating great episodes just like the one you're going to hear today. So leave a review if you're so inclined. It would be very much appreciated. Now about today's show. I'm going to read something. Do you think that ordinary people with ordinary problems don't suffer? Well, I'm begging you, hold your lips tight. There's all of these people close to the edge. Be not forgotten, all who have fallen, all who have fallen, all who have fallen. I'm standing close to the edge. I witnessed all those things you said. I've tried not to let them in, but here I'm standing close to the edge. Close to the edge is a song that was written by today's guest and has now had 1.6 million downloads. He's inspired people all over the globe and he's working on a project now called A Place Called Earth. You are going to truly enjoy this episode, I'm sure. So sit back, relax, and listen to my interview with Cameron Brown. Hey, Mindful Tribe. I am excited today. I have Cameron Brown with me. Hey, Cameron, are you in mindfulness mode? I sure am, Bruce. Ready to go. That's good. Cameron Brown, back in 2016, sold or donated 99% of the things he used to own, and he embarked on his latest project, which is called A Place Called Earth. He travels the world now, coaching and training people on how to make a greater positive impact. And he also creates short films and music that have reached millions across the globe inspiring positive change on a personal, social, and environmental level. So Cameron, welcome to the call. It's great to have you on. How are you? 
It's great to be here, Bruce. I'm, uh, I'm really well. I'm uh, sitting here in Colombia at the moment. There's Latin American music going off in the background. Hopefully we're okay on the call and uh, that doesn't come through too much, but uh, at the very least it'll add a bit of atmosphere to the call. Well, it's super to have you with us. And yeah, it must be great being in Colombia. Where are you from originally, Cameron? Uh, so Outback Australia and uh, even had a kangaroo as a pet growing up. And uh, I was actually there back in... April, I spent first three months of uh, this year in Costa Rica and then was there for a month in April after my brother and his wife had twins and so got back there and some real quality time before uh, moving over to moving over to Colombia. Wow, so you really truly love to travel. When did you realize that you had the travel bug? Uh, I mean, the travel bug didn't start for me until a, like later because I was growing business, working really hard. Uh, I still had some experiences, but it wasn't until uh, my last relationship came to an end, and it was only a couple of years ago, uh, that uh, I went overseas for the first time. And uh, within a space, not only with the travel, but also with experiences, I went skydiving and, and, and rappelling down waterfalls and mountain climbing and whitewater rafting and, and really realized that life is very much about experiences. and. Uh, and that we're born to explore the world and, and to experience life for what it really is, which is to be able to create and to be able to experience it fully. And so, um, yeah, since then, it's been an absolute wild ride, that's for sure. So, well, we have uh, an amazing world to discover, that's for sure. And it's awesome to be able to just pour yourself into doing that. I love that. Well, what attracted me to you, what, how we were connected was that someone said, hey, this guy is into bullying prevention and he's done a lot with this. He's written a song. I know that there's a story about what got you into this. Can you share that with us, Cameron? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we go back to uh, May 2015, uh, May, June 2015. And I was living in Australia at the time and I one evening heard a neighbor screaming out and myself and another neighbor uh, went over and, and you know, asked through the fence, uh, the back fence to just say, is, is everything okay? And, and the mother who was screaming out said, uh, my, my son's killed himself. And we, we both, I remember we both looked at each other and just almost couldn't believe what we, what we just heard. And so we, we just ran through the house and out out to the backyard to see everything that, that occurs when something like that happens. And, and it was devastating to see. Um, you know, I looked after the two little kids that were inside after, after that as, the, as everything else went on outside and, and to see not only the devastation on the mother when, uh, when she was out, out in the backyard, but also then the father when he came home and, and the grandparents and just the absolute uh, look of helplessness and uh, lifelessness as well. It was just a um, something that'll stay with me for the rest of my life. And, and I think it was out of that experience that, um, in my mind, it was here. You are living a an okay life. Uh, I'd gone through my own challenges definitely over time, uh, sure. but but I was in a, I was in a pretty reasonable space. Uh, but was I was I really making an impact in people's lives? Not as much as what I knew I could be. And a few months later, I I embarked on a on a coaching course and. Uh, yeah, it led to an absolute wild ride of, of, of breaking through my own personal barriers to, to reach new levels of excellence so that I could then help other people um, that are in maybe similar situations, but other situations where they might not be happy or um, experiencing life that's out of alignment with what they're 
really wanting in life. And so right. that's really what, what, what led to it. And it's, it's what's now led to focusing not only on uh, people and them being able to help others, but also then the planet too. Well, I want to go back to this boy. How old was he? And did you find out then later that he was experiencing bullying? Uh, I, 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 to be honest, I don't know for sure. Um, it was a, it was a really interesting time where he was he was only uh, just going on eighteen, so he was a very young very young guy. Uh, and and yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't know. Um, the you know we didn't know the the, the family, and uh, after that was a, I guess there was a lot of shock from. Yeah, just it, it was just a really interesting time where I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, you know, I think from dealing with it was a um, it was around that around that time that the song "Close to the Edge" that I wrote that's that's been used in a lot of projects now. Um, but yeah, you know, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But at the end of the day, he obviously had some some real troubles. Um, I know that he he had attempted certain things before. Um, that's something that I did know. And uh, but yeah, in terms of the specifics of the situation, I. I don't know. Um, it's definitely led me to, to absolutely believe, though, not only in this situation, but with my own self and the development that I've gone through outside of school, that whether you want to call it emotional intelligence, mindfulness, life skills, uh, or anything else in between, uh, it, it should be a compulsory subject in schools, period. And I think it's absolute criminal that it's not. Um, you know, having this understanding of mindfulness and emotional intelligence, really understanding why you do what you do, why you feel the way that you feel, and then being able to actually move through that in a proactive way where you don't feel like the last resort is that, uh, you know, that, that, that if, if children aren't unable, are unable to understand what that means to be able to move through that, they haven't gotten the, uh, uh, the reference points yet that they're able to actually move through that. And like I said, I, to be able to teach maths, English, and these types of skills, fair enough from an academic point of view, but I've got to say, <laughs> I haven't used those skills for a very long time. Right. Yeah, well, we can certainly use the skills you're talking about. Yeah. So the song Close to the Edge was inspired by that. Was that one of the first songs you had written or had you written many, many songs before that? Tell us about your songwriting history. Yeah, it's. I mean, I've been writing for, for 17 years now, so it definitely wasn't the first song that I'd written. But thinking back, looking back on it, uh, I, I, for for a lot of years, the the music was very much about my own challenges and my struggles, and it was really a mechanism for me to be able to move through certain things. And uh, you know, it's funny we talk about from a mindfulness point of view. I I remember reading a a New Earth uh, by Eckhart and. Uh, I remember being a quarter of the way through the book. This is going back oh, 10, probably at least 10 years ago now or, or around then. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I went through uh, and, and saw in the book, I thought, you were kidding me. Ran out to my studio, which was a shed at the time out the backyard. And, uh, went through the lyrics that I've been writing for the last three to six months. And it was, it was all about what the book was about. Um, which was just so, so that, that book, uh, was, was a very big, uh, defining moment in my life. And, and definitely there was a level of alignment that occurred as a result of that, um, of realizing that I'm not my thoughts. My thoughts just simply flow through me. And it's about being aware of what those, those are and being able to act accordingly in alignment with what you're wanting to experience. Um, and so, yeah, so, so songwriting has been going on for a long time and continues to be sometimes for, for my own challenges and it won't be until six months or 12 months later I go ah that was what that was about 
but the, the the song close to the edge was it, it was the first song uh, that I had written that that I felt wasn't really for me as such. There was maybe a little piece in there, but it was it was definitely more so for for others. And uh, I think that's come as a result of me working through my own challenges to be able to then, uh, because I think one of the beliefs I have is to be able to truly serve other people and to be able to truly serve our planet, we have to truly serve ourselves first and foremost. Uh, otherwise, we can't give everything that we can to that uh, because at, on some level, there's something that we're needing from that to know that we're enough, to know that we're loved, to know that we're respected. Uh, and so it's really important to, yeah, I think to work through that in whichever way it is for whoever whoever's uh, tuning into this. Uh, for me, it was through music and then through the coaching that I did. Um, but since then, the, the songs have definitely spread out to be more about society and, uh, and environment and different issues that, that can help uh, people and our, our species and the world move forward uh, versus just me specifically. Well, it's a powerful song, and you obviously thank you. You've, oh, it's resulted in just moving thousands, millions of people for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's so inspiring. But I want to ask you: Was it Eckhart Tolle who inspired you to sell all your belongings last year? Like that's uh, quite an incredible move. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. Um, I mean, Eckhart Tolle has been, been a, a great inspiration for me. Um, there's been a number of other. I guess inspirations as well, uh, but also checking in with myself. Uh, it was th this constant checking in with yourself. I think is directly attached to this sense of mindfulness and and, and being able to feel where it is that you're meant to be going. Uh, I think in uh, inside you do know the answers. It's just whether you're willing to get out of the way. <laughs> uh, you know, the, I, 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 I'm a firm believer that silence speaks to you, but only if you're quiet enough to hear it. Uh, and this is why usually it takes for somebody to go, uh, somebody to go through an extremely big breakdown for a breakthrough to happen. You know, someone's yes. biggest breakthroughs happen directly after their biggest breakdowns. People always agree with that. I say, yeah, it's because you're not listening. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it takes for a massive whack across the face in the form of pain, uh, psychologically or emotionally or however it is that has you go, oh yeah, I better do something about that. But there are signs constantly and little tweaks that you can make along the way if you're able to tune into that. And, uh, and one came for me when I was, uh, uh, I, I did my first events over in the US last year uh, in March. And I remember flying back and, uh, from uh, the US to Australia and just this small thought in my mind, it was nothing large, it was no pressing thing to get rid of everything that I owned. Uh, but it was a small piece of my mind saying, well, there's just stuff sitting at home, wasting away. Somebody else would be better off with it than I would. And, and it was just that little, small niggling feeling. Yeah. I didn't do anything about it at that time because I got ready for the next tour. And then in July, it went off again. The next, the next tour was ex even more intense. <laughs> and, uh, and on the way back, I knew that something had to shift. And, uh, and so I, I started researching. I still had no intention of getting rid of everything. I think this is where a sense of curiosity plays out and you, it leads you to, uh, to where you didn't even know you wanted to go to experience something even greater than you thought was even possible. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I had looked at selling some things and I, I then I, I did one lump sum and got rid of maybe 30 or 40%. 
Um, and then uh, <laughs> I decided to, to, to get rid of everything. Once I decided to get rid of everything, I, I purchased these two bags and they were from online, uh, so nomadic uh, luggage. And when they arrived, I thought, what have I done? Because <laughs> I hadn't gotten rid of everything yet. And uh, but I looked at the bags and thought, right, I've, I've decided to do this. I'm going to do it. And I, I did. I, I got rid of basically everything um, that I owned apart from uh, a bag about that big and uh, maybe one a little smaller. <laughs> what was the toughest and thing to get rid of, Cameron? Uh, that's interesting. I mean, my, obviously my digital piano was a, was a big part of my life. And I, I realized after selling it that it was the first time that I had actually been without a, either real piano or a digital piano in my life since I was three or four years old, years of age, right. uh, at, at home. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean that, that was a part of it, but I had become the, had, been becoming more and more detached from things and and continue to question this theory of ownership when the things that we uh, supposedly own are made up of the things that have been on this planet for billions and billions of years. So do we really own it? Um, maybe, maybe not. And that's something that I continue to play with. But um, as, as I got rid of things, I, I'd already uh, looked and researched places uh, from a piano point of view uh, around the world that had a piano that I would go and, you know, the place that I would go and live in, for example. And so when I was in Costa Rica uh, uh, in March, uh, January through to March, after I'd done the, the short films and drone footage and um, creating the mini, mini uh, documentary on the, on the Sea Turtles project, I went and stayed in a small castle in the mountains of Costa Rica, uh, which had a grand piano, a baby grand piano. And I recorded the music. I still remember there was some music I was creating as a volcano was erupting off in the distance. <laughs> and uh, just those moments. And uh, the other, uh, there was another moment where this, this beautiful family uh, came and stayed the last night that I was there. I was by myself the rest of the time. And, and we ended up talking about emotional intelligence and space and how... Uh, emotional intelligence should be compulsory in schools uh, and technology and the universe and all of these beautiful things. And then I played for them uh, on the piano while the fire was burning and it was like in the, the, the fireplace. It was just a remarkably magical moment that there's just so many of them that have occurred where I look back and I'm so appreciative that I didn't listen to the voice inside of myself that said, stay safe. Because that can all that can play out, and it still does with me. It consistently plays out because that's what the ego tries to do. It tries to pull us back and say, "Hey, there's a saber-toothed tiger out there. Don't go out. You're going to die." Right? Yeah, it does. But, but there are so many situations in, in in today's day and age, which is why mindfulness is so important. Allowing yourself to experience why it is that you're feeling that and experiencing that in the first place, so you can actually move through it to a more fulfilling life. And I just look and think if I if if I and my clients and other people that are involved in, in the project aren't willing to move through that, then they you know, hold themselves captive almost. And that's a, that's a really sad place to be if, yeah. if you don't live your full potential and allow yourself to experience whatever it is for you, uh, the things that you're ideally wanting to experience and that are in alignment with your, your, your ultimate purpose in life. Right. Yeah, it truly is. And tell us about your meditation practice. What does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's probably a little different to, to what most people do. I mean, sometimes I'll be just there sitting and, 
and 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 being there in the moment. But I, I love being out in nature. Uh, I spent yesterday. I spent ten hours hiking through the Colombian forest, uh, capturing beautiful drone footage and seeing butterflies. And there was a squirrel. And I, I even saw a uh, a vulture up close. It's the first time I'd seen one. I was just I was just walking through this uh, this forest and. Uh, came across it and uh, it's it's in moments like that where I don't even necessarily need to sit there just being there in that moment and allowing the thoughts and the emotions and the feelings to flow through is uh, I mean it's where where my personally my best ideas come from is because I'm in the moment and I'm connected to the universe I'm connected to the, all that is and uh, rather than being and closing off from it uh, so that's that's one way I, I love to do it. But I, I definitely sat there yesterday. I had my little impact journal that I that I have with me, uh, and just sat on this tree that had fallen over, and just sat there for uh, I would have been there for at least an hour, um, just chilling out. If, if something flowed through, then I'd write it down, and that to me is that definitely is a form of meditation. Uh, the other is is through the music that I create, and I think this is definitely one of the more spiritual practices for me is, uh, and I actually did these for a period of time when I was living in a specific location, uh, is I did medita meditations for some people live on, on Facebook uh, where I just closed my eyes and played whatever came through me. Uh, I've been doing that for years and and there's, there's nothing that's allowed me to experience more uh, absolute peacefulness and alignment to to myself and to my existence than uh, being in the moment. And I think that there's something to be said there uh, for uh, doing what you're good at and playing to your talents and strengths because I believe that every single person on this planet, I don't care who you are or what you've found or haven't found so far, every single person has a unique set of talents and strengths and we have an opportunity to utilize them to make a greater impact in the world. And I think the a meditate one meditation practice is you being in that moment where time just falls away, everything else just falls away, and you're just there. And for me, it's it's the note that's playing next, and I can already feel the moment playing through me, and knowing what's going, what it's going to sound like. That for me is is an absolute spiritual and meditative practice. Um, every, I, I believe everyone should find what that is for them, so that not only is it just about um and uh, you know being on a on a mountain somewhere. It's like you're not necessarily going to get those moments, but if you can combine some pieces together, um, all of a sudden you're able to experience it more often than simply once a day and when you do it for 15 minutes. Right. I wanted to ask you about that impact journal. Tell us about the name and tell us about that journal. Yeah, the, uh, so it came out of uh, the time in Costa Rica, so the three months there. And I'd met um, a great uh, woman in, uh, in Brisbane uh, before I had left. Uh, and they do uh, eco-stationery. Uh, eco and and I'd, I'd had it in my mind for a while that I wanted to create something. And uh, it turned into what's called the Impact Journal. And it's, it's called the Impact Journal for a couple of reasons. Uh, first up, there's, it, it's blank pages aside from a few quote pages where I deliberately left it blank pages rather than line pages so that people could create, so that people could take that notebook and get out into nature because like I, I sold or donated 99% of the things I used to own. One thing I didn't sell was having a little notebook with me wherever I went because ideas flow and you can create and when that creativity flows through, you've got that moment to be able to jot that down or to be able to create it before it moves on to somebody else, right? Uh, you know, the, the, some of the most uh, magical minds of our time and before our time 
talked about this creative process, how it flows through, and then if it's it, once it's through and it's gone, it's gone. And uh, you might you might flow through in another way and another inspired force, but at the end of the day, it's uh, capturing those is really important for you being able to make an impact. And so that's what it was for me. I, I used it and and was using it, and so I decided to to create these for my clients and other people at my speaking engagements, where not only is it you being able to make an impact, but also whenever one is whenever uh, for every single impact journal. Uh, there's an education day that goes to a, a woman or child in a developing world. It's uh, made from 100% recycled materials, so no forests are harmed at all, which is in complete alignment with the Thriving Collective brand and a place called Earth, and um, and and then also made with uh, eco-friendly inks and uh, and things like that. So there's a, a number of levels that it makes an impact on, and so uh, an impact journal. It, it seemed a very fitting name for it. And because uh, it's all about that that element of dreaming big, living fully, and making an impact. Oh, I really like that. And I want you to tell us more about your project, A Place Called Earth. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so uh, one of the things that I've come to realize is that we each have the opportunity to make an impact on three different levels. Uh, we are able to make an impact to ourselves, to others, and to the planet. And I think one of the things that's happened over... Hmm, yeah, basically in our civilization really, but especially over the past 50 to 100 years, is that there's been way too much focus on how can I make an impact to myself and maybe to others to help others without uh, taking into account the environment. And we're seeing the negative impact of that now in the form of climate change, in the form of other issues going on that are at the detriment to our planet. We have limited resources available to us and I'm all about abundance, but until we've learned how to actually leave the planet and explore the universe, you know, this is, this is our current limit. And, uh, and so there are a specific amount of resources that we have available to us. And uh, so it's about uh, empowering people to make an impact on all three levels. It includes the coaching and training that I do, uh, as well as the, as you mentioned before, the short films and, uh, and music that I create. Uh, so the films are having me in, in the different parts of the world. So in Costa Rica, I was there for three months and captured a, a beautiful, amazing project down on the Osla Peninsula, uh, down on the southeastern coast. It's one of the most biological, biologi- uh, biodiverse locations in the world, uh, and it's, it's just a beautiful place. And they, they had an amazing sea turtle project there. We created a mini documentary out of that to really showcase the beautiful work. I'm a big believer that through showcasing the work that great people are doing, it inspires others to dream about what's possible and to connect to something greater than themselves. And so that also included the three months capturing drone footage and nature sounds in Costa Rica as well of rainforests and, and waterfalls and beaches and animals and, and piecing that together into, into a short film as well. Um, and so I'm here in, in Colombia now and uh, capturing, I was out, out there yesterday up in, out in the nature, capturing some, some beautiful footage and there's a, a two philanthropic initiatives that, uh, that I'm going and embarking on here. One is a water project, other is a, an animal sanctuary uh, and they'll be coming out soon as well uh, in terms of uh, yeah, some short films there. 
Cameron, uh, I'm, I'm curious about the logistics of being a filmmaker and doing all the things that you do and still all you own, you can fit into a couple of, of duffel bags. Now, <laughs> now this, like immediately I'm thinking of cameras and stands and technology and lighting. And of course your drone that you mentioned, what do you do? Like, how do you, do you connect with people that own all of those things? How do you pull this off? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, after my, my, trip from in Costa Rica. My drone arrived once I was in Costa Rica, which <laughs> I highly recommend not doing if you wanted to get stuck in customs. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, definitely not an experience to, to repeat, uh, but I didn't have a choice in that case. But with that, uh, I, I found that I, I, I needed some, a, a slightly larger uh, suitcase. And so, uh, so I did that once I got back to Australia because one of the things that I found is that I, I'm a big one of the biggest things for me is about freedom and uh, and it's not about freedom to be able to sit on a beach and do nothing. It's about having the freedom to be who I am and live my what I'm here to do and and why I'm here. And part of that, it, I, I just noticed when uh, packing up and leaving to each location, I had to put on a specific pair of shoes and wear specific clothes so that my stuff would actually fit into my bags. And, uh, and I knew that, that there just wasn't something right about that. So uh, when I got back to Australia in April, I purchased, and it's still only like all up, uh, the total weight is about 30 kilograms, including the suitcases, um, which whatever it is in, in your metrics. <laughs> and, uh, but you see, it's, uh, so it's still not much, still not much stuff. Uh, in terms of the uh, equipment, uh, the the drone I use is a uh, as portable as possible without sacrificing too much quality, uh, so that allows it to fit into a reasonably small space. Uh, and then yeah, there is other equipment I've uh, I, I don't need much else uh, in the form of uh, I mean there's clothes and things like that, but uh, at the end of the day, it's it, I, I I don't dress to impress as such. Uh, I still look alright, I think, <laughs> but uh, I, I only have, for example, one pair of jeans, um, and uh, I have, after looking at Mark Zuckerberg, Obama, who wore the same clothes every single day, not the same clothes, but the same style, uh, that's what I choose to do as well, and so it makes it very easy to focus on the things that matter most, rather than things that don't really matter, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a, a little insight into, into how it works. Yeah, well, I just want to tr transition a little bit, uh, sure. Cameron, and ask you more about the bullying topic that we talked about. I've been working in that field for over a decade, and you know, I, I often uh, find that my guests have a story, whether they were bullied or whether they bullied other people when they were younger, or whether it was bullying and as an entrepreneur. Do you have a story you can share with us, Cameron? I think the, I mean, the one that I shared uh, again. I'm not sure if it was about bullying or not, but same outcome as what happens in, in a number of cases from a bullying right. point of view. And right. so I think the, the most, I mean, there, there were some situations in school, both sides, I believe, looking back on it and seeing my behavior as well as things that happened to me. Um, but I think the, the most impactful is, yeah, I mean, close to the edge, which is when it's approaching 1.7 million views now and uh, the amount of people who have reached out to say that the song has, has saved them and uh, uh, or this, this person is bullying me. And uh, I'll, I'll use one example actually. There was a, uh, I, I used the platform, the comments platform underneath about a year or two ago uh, with the song uh, because there was a troll that rocked up uh, oh. in the comment section. Um, really vulnerable people in the comment section as well. 
Uh, and, and there were some pretty nasty things that, as you can imagine, a troll coming yes. into that type of environment. And so I took it, I, I, I made a decision. I, I said, uh, I, I explained the, the, the troll's behavior and why the troll was doing that and explained that in most cases, the reason why somebody requires to overpower somebody else is because deep down they actually feel insignificant. And uh, that's what this person is likely to be doing right now. And, uh, and what will happen probably next is they'll become even more vocal and, and then, you know, the, the next comment was, that's BS and you know it. And so I wrote back, I said, see, this is what happens. They've just become a little more vocal. And the next step is they'll either become even more vocal again to try and overpower, or they will just be completely silent and leave and go on to somebody who they can find as their next victim because they weren't able to grab the significance from that situation. Didn't hear from him again, him or her. Yeah. Right. And so right. just sharing that, that at the end of the day, from a bullying standpoint, they're, they're, that all they are are patterns of behavior playing out. It's not who you are. It's got nothing to do with you. It's simply that uh, I, I think that this is something to really important to note, though, from a bullying point of view. Not only does it require somebody to overpower, it also requires someone to be overpowered for a pattern to continue. Yes. So for that to occur, you have to be a victim and you have to have a victim mentality. And because I've, I've, there's been a number of cases as, a, as an entrepreneur, there's been, there's been a number of douchebags. I had one on, I was doing an interview on a live radio station uh, in uh, Orange County. The interview's up online if anyone wants to go and check it out. Uh, but uh, the, 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 we had the Twitter feed going at the same time and, and we got a troll. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I, I explained the same, same situation there. Um, but you, you'll be able to hear it in my voice and we all had a laugh on the call because it doesn't impact me. Uh, the reason for that is because you learn how to become your own best friend. You know that you're enough internally. You have all the internal validation that you need. You don't need anything from any external source. Any external source becomes an added bonus, not a necessity. The moment it's a necessity is the moment you're being controlled by your external environment. And that's a recipe for disaster, not just from bullying, but any situation of uh, disempowerment that could occur, which can potentially lead you away from what it is that you're really wanting to experience. I'm so glad you explained all that. You know, um, I had the same thing happen. Interestingly enough, I was interviewed on a radio station and, yeah. and somebody called in and it was like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, but we, we dealt with it and yeah. everything was fine, you know. But uh, also a, a number of years ago, a young boy at a local school, uh, I think I'd been at that school with my bullying prevention at one point and then he committed suicide and, and I felt absolutely devastated. And I'm, I put a couple of comments on on a stream somewhere and someone jumped on and said, oh, I'm only doing that because, you know, I want to make money out of it and, you know, all this kind of thing. And at that time, it really, it really did affect me. And I thought, you know, mm -hmm. why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. Why am I taking this, this, taking on this feeling as though I'm a victim of this. And mm -hmm. so you've really explained this really well, Cameron. So thanks for that. Oh, and be you're welcome. before we wrap things up, I want to ask you uh, uh, some quick answer questions. The first one right. is who is one person who you would say has influenced your level of mindfulness in your life? Oh, there's been, there has been a number. I'd say Eckhart's definitely one that we talked about before. Yeah. Um, I would also say Wayne Dyer. Uh, he's probably the first, first guy that, uh, you know, when he passed away, I was, I was genuinely sad. Uh, he, he had a really big impact in my life and I, I had, 
in my mind that I, I would love to meet him one day to to be able to share the impact that that he had made on my life. Uh, so I would actually say, yeah, that that he would be from a mindfulness point of view and a spiritual standpoint. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of teachers, but uh, him specifically, there, there was something about about his style um, and his way of of sharing that uh, uh, that had a really big impact on me. And how has mindfulness affected your emotions, Cameron? Uh, I, 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 I still get frustrated. I still, I, I still get frustrated. I still uh, get annoyed. I still, you know, there's there's still these things that play out. Being a human isn't about just saying I'm going to be happy all of the time. Right. It's about allowing yourself to experience the full wave of emotions. I mean, that's what's beautiful. We don't, you can't know a beautiful day without a really cloudy, rainy day. You don't know exactly. light without dark, right? Um, you know, here in Medellin for the first uh, two weeks, about 10 or 11 days, there were huge storms. And yesterday was just, I got out to nature, it was a perfect day. I was like, ah, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. And so the, the life is a sea of contrast. And I, I look back, uh, to, to my teenage years where there was a lot of dark times. There was, there was a lot of dark times uh, where my life could have gone one way or the other. And uh, I, I could have ended up in a, in a really, really bad space long term. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm extremely thankful that, uh, that I found pers- one personal development and uh, emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and all the other pieces that are that are that make up uh, allowing yourself to experience what it means to be a human and uh, be aligned to why you're here. And so it, it allows me to <laughs> just see them come and flow through and go, ah, oh, there's that thing there, and there's this. And I think <laughs> if, the moment you can notice and understand that you are not your thoughts, you're the intelligence that's allowing the, or I won't say allowing, you're allowing the thing, things to flow through you. The, the thing that I'll use with clients to really help them understand is uh, allow your emotions to flow through you, not get stuck in you. The moment that they get stuck in you is the moment that you're in for some pretty big, uh, pretty big troubles. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I really love the way you've described this. You're, you're obviously a master at communicating. I love that. <laughs> it's, it's been a number of years, number of years of just constant and never-ending growth around this. And I, I want to I say that um that how do i say i'm not a not a superhuman i'm not a even above average human i wouldn't say it's it's simply the constant commitment to evolution and growth uh that allows you to experience uh a real and full life and there's never a time where you will arrive there's always another level i remember one of my mentors said once uh, the moment you think you've arrived is the moment you're in for a very big fall. And uh, I love that. You know, you stay humble with this, but be okay with uh, loving yourself fully because by loving yourself fully, it allows you to give yourself, give to yourself fully, to invest in yourself fully because a lot of people invest in a house or, uh, or shares or stocks and all those types of things that are external to them but won't invest in themselves. And for me, I've invested more in myself than I have in any other area of investment now. And, and it's been by far the best investment that I could have ever made uh, because it's the one that will pay dividends for many, many years to come. Well, tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing. Uh, I, you know what? I, I don't know if I consciously do it anymore. Uh, it used to be. 
but I think as a with a number of cases, uh, a number of different uh, strategies that used to take conscious awareness to actually do them. Uh, there's a framework that I, uh, you know, I'm definitely using at the moment with learning Spanish. I, I've gone from knowing no Spanish at all. I'm doing intensive classes at the moment, five days a week here in Medellin in Colombia, uh, and, and I still suck. Uh, but here, the, what it goes from is having uh, unconscious, uh, unconscious incompetence, which is not knowing that you suck at something, to having conscious incompetence, which is, ah, oh, I suck at something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to then having conscious confidence to going, all right, I, I can do it, but I need to focus. So then right. being able to be unconsciously competent, which is I can do it with my eyes closed, right? And so I think it takes, it takes time in the beginning to build in new strategies and new patterns of behavior, whether that's breathing, which it definitely used to be for me, uh, to uh, being able to allow things to flow through, to knowing why it is that I'm experiencing it, uh, having the awareness around that, having the emotional regulation, um, whatever the pieces are, um, it's about knowing and understanding that for a period of time, there's going to be uh, a feeling of incompetence uh, and feeling like you're not getting it. And until you move to conscious competence and actually then to conscious, unconscious competence, that's where it becomes part of your identity. And this is where a lot of people fall short on is because they build a habit but it's still conscious competence in the strategy that they're trying to implement. And they think, oh, I've got it. And then they focus on something else and then they f cycle back and because they hadn't actually bought it into their, uh, allowing it to be an unconscious pattern that can play out even when you've got your eyes closed. Right. Well, I know you mentioned uh, Eckhart Tolle's book. Do you have any other books that you would recommend on this subject or related to mindfulness? Yeah, there's... Uh, which one would I recommend? Uh, Presence by Amy Cuddy is a reasonably new one. Uh, she did an amazing TED talk. Uh, and Presence, I, the reason I love that is there's a, num, uh, uh, a fair amount of scientific backing to uh, specific moments as well. So I highly recommend that. Uh, a couple of other, uh, not so much books, but um, in video format is uh, The Shift by Wayne Dyer, and uh, which is going from ambition to meaning. It's a mix between documentary and movie. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a nice mix there. I love that. Uh, and the other one as well, I'd say, I won't say it's as much to do with mindfulness, but I'd say there's a part to it is a documentary called I Am by Tom Shadiak. Uh, he's the guy who did a lot of the Jim Carrey movies and other, uh, the stupid comedy movies, those type. And mm -hmm. you know, he had all the mansions and the cars and everything else in between, realized that it didn't make him happy and uh, went through this period of mass change when he had an accident. Um, and I still remember the, the, uh, one of the lines near the end of the documentary says, uh, we, we have a name in our body for something that takes more than it needs. We call it cancer. Uh -huh. And that hit me big time when I when I listened to that. I'd say that's another reason for getting rid of so many things is I thought, oh my gosh, as a species right now on this planet, we're a cancer. And if we don't make some dramatic changes to the way that we live our lives, it's going to have dire consequences as we're starting to see. And I think the reason why I share that is because mindfulness has a part to do with that because as you start to become aware of what it is that you're experiencing in this life, you realize that there's a certain attachment to certain things because you're filling a void for something you believe you don't have internally rather right. than utilizing those things to enhance who you already know that you are. 
And it's okay to have certain things, but make sure they have meaning behind them. I still have certain things, but each thing gets used. I remember at, towards the end of uh, Costa Rica, there were some things that I hadn't worn uh, and a couple of other things that I hadn't used over the three-month period. I gave them away. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, 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 don't, I, don't need, I don't need those. I have everything within me that allows me to experience that, and mindfulness definitely has a big part, in, a part to play in that. And if, for somebody listening in, if you're, if you're not there yet, my strongest recommendation is check out the resources there, but have a think about what is it that could be holding you back from actually allowing myself to let go. Right. Good advice. Good advice. Cameron, tell us how we can connect with you and learn more about what you do. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the, I mean, the best place is thrivingcollective.com and the, a place called Earth page on that page is forward slash impact. Uh, so that has, you can check out the documentaries uh, and the, the short films there uh, and the new ones that will come out soon as well. Uh, and yeah, you can keep in touch that way. And social media forward slash ask Cameron Brown, uh, the best ones, you know, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, that kind of thing. Sure. Okay. Well, we'll do that. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's been really great talking with you, Cameron. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I've loved sharing, love being on the show and, uh, and thanks for putting this together. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.